Welcome to Brain Pain, where we explore the vast world of psychology. I want to thank you for being here. I'm John. You can reach me at john at brainpain.us. I want to remind you I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist or a counselor. We're just talking about ideas and theories and thoughts on psychology. I currently have a master's in psychology, and I am a doctoral student in psychology. Today I want to talk about misconceptions, exaggerations, things like that in the world of psychology. I've been talking to a number of people who know I'm working on my doctoral degree in psychology. And so we get in, of course, discussions about psychology, and I've noticed a lot of misconceptions. And they all seem to be pretty common. So I thought I'd talk about them today. At least some of them. I'm sure there are many more than I'm going to discuss, right? So one of the big things I'm finding is people believe that now uh, everything can be solved by drugs. In the U.S., we're very much one ill, one pill, right? We have excellent marketing of drugs by great uh, market, marketing specialists. Uh, companies do a good job of selling us on drugs. I want to make sure that you understand that I am no way saying that drugs are wrong or bad in and of themselves. But one of the things that I keep hearing is, oh yeah, well, if I just get on this medication, I'll be okay. With the concept being that I will take that medication for the rest of my life. And sometimes that will be necessary. Don't, don't misunderstand, sometimes that is necessary. That shouldn't be the mindset. Because it's been shown through studies that uh, therapy alone is better than drugs alone. Think about that for a moment. Not taking any drugs at all, but going through therapy and completing therapy and working through the issues is better for long-term uh, success than drugs alone. Now, the combination of drugs and therapy with the idea of eventually hopefully reducing or removing the drugs completely is often more successful than either one alone. So there's definitely a place for medication. However, the medication itself, depending on how your body reacts to it, depending on uh, the type of medication it is, you may end up having to increase doses, adjusting doses uh, for the rest of your life if that's the route you choose. And again, statistically, your probability is that you'd be much better taking therapy with the medication. And why do people choose drugs? Why do they think that that's the go-to? Well, quite honestly, at least in the United States, it's because it's easy. I just have to remember to take a pill every day, and then I'll be okay. That doesn't require a whole lot of work. And that brings me to my next misconception, which is really... The next misconception is really two different misconceptions, but I've kind of lumped them together. The first is that therapy is easy, and with that comes the idea that in therapy, it is the psychologist's job to fix you. This will tie into the next misconception, which will be there's only one kind of therapy. But let me go back to the therapy is easy. Therapy is not easy. 
you're dealing with uh, significant issues in your life and you need help to get through the emotional pain that you're having or the behavioral issues that you're having or your perception issues. These are all things that will require active participation on your part. Mentally speaking, therapy is a full contact sport. It requires your attention and your work to improve your life. The therapist's job is to guide you and help you with tools and objective observation and feedback and to help guide. I think the best I heard it described to me was by a person who had completed an extensive uh, a person who had completed extensive therapy and had been very successful. She it's more like walking through an unmarked path and having a guide with you. So the therapist acts as a guide to get you through this dark forest is how she put it. You still have to walk through it. You still have to create your light and take care of yourself. But you have a guide that's there and is on your side and is there to help you. And I like that description. There is no therapy without a client who is willing to be successful. This is why a lot of counselors, a lot of counselors who deal with drug-mandated counseling burn out. Because the people being counseled are there because the court says either you go to counseling or you go to jail. And those, those counselors are trying very, most of the counselors, especially when they first started, are trying very, very hard to reach people that need some help or some guidance. I have a good friend who went that route. He himself was counseling uh, drug abuse and uh, addiction. People who had gone to court for drug abuse and typically were facing issues with addiction. And he told me, with a, you know, he didn't tell me any details of any individuals, he said, but you see the same thing over and over. You see people who don't want to be there, who are showing up and, and punching a clock so that they don't have to go to jail. And he said, and that's not why I got in the business. It's a very frustrating. I got into it to help other people make their life better. And all I'm doing here is talking to people who resent me for being here and taking up their time. Now, as with anything, you may find that a therapist or a specific therapy isn't your bag of tea, and you may want to look at other options. But all that really comes back to therapy is hard work. It takes focus. It takes an actual effort. And the good news is that successful therapy is is definitely worth it. The quality of life has increased dramatically. Now, the other big misconception that I hear is, as I spoke before, is that therapy is one thing. There's one, like, I'm going to therapy, and that that means one very specific thing. There are a lot of different types of therapy. There is behavior, behavioral therapy, which is very much based from Pavlov's uh, experiment where he got dogs to salivate when he rang a bell because they expected food. Just that behavioral training. There is psychoanalysis, which uh, originated with Sigmund Freud. There is cognitive behavioral therapy, which you take in 
and you're very aware of the events that happen to you and around you and how you deal with them and you cognitively change how you behave in those situations. Uh, there's positive therapy, which is very similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, but there's a, a primary difference in that cognitive behavioral therapy does not evaluate an event as positive or negative, whereas positive therapy does, and it focuses on achieving positive activities and events in your life so that you can be happier. And there's collaborative therapy, which is the forming of a bond with a psychologist and or, or counselor and the client to help better that person's life through a meaningful connection that is basically someone helping guide you through your life is the best layman's terms I have for it. There may be better descriptions of it, but that's the best way I can interpret it um, without going into a whole bunch of nerdy detail. Some people think that, well, you know, any therapy will solve any problem. And I'm not going to say that that's 100% not true, but I have a big but attached to that. And that big but that I'm going to give you is that there are some forms of therapy that show more success with specific issues. Now, the big rage in the last, well, it's been a little while now, the big rage is cognitive behavioral therapy and variations of cognitive behavioral therapy because it helps you change your behavior. <clears throat> it helps you change your perception and gives you coping tools that at some point, I won't say you don't, you absolutely will never need therapy again, but at some point you become functional enough. The, high, the whole idea is to get you so that you can function without therapy. Some therapists might not like that idea because, quite candidly, it means that they're not getting paid. But that's a whole idea. There's some uh, studies that have shown cognitive behavioral therapy give really positive results in as little as 12 sessions, and that's pretty awesome. But that also requires a very active client. Another thing that people get confused is the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor who, who focuses on psychology and can prescribe drugs in most states. There are, I have found recently, some places where you have uh, psychologists that can prescribe very specific drugs for very specific things. Um, I believe, and I've only just read about this, they're called prescribing psychologists. This is something new to me, uh, something I was unaware of. But as healthcare changes, the definitions of different roles change pretty dramatically. In, if you're going to see a counselor, you should probably know, is that counselor a master's degree counselor or is that a doctorate degree counselor? It may or may not make any difference to you and it may or may not make any difference to the therapy. There are a large number of addiction counselors who are master's degree level degrees. 
but you might want to be aware of what your education of your counselor is. You might also want to understand what the requirements are for becoming a psychologist in the state that you are in. They vary somewhat from state to state. I noticed from Texas and Ohio there are some really profound differences. One of them is that the the state of Texas requires you to do, I believe it's 1,750 hours of internship while you are still enrolled in school. In Ohio, you can do it all after you've completed your doctorate degree. I don't know why there's a difference. I don't know what the difference is perceived to be. I can't find any documentation that tells me there's a difference. Because in both cases, the entire time you are working with a licensed psychologist and you're overseen by a licensed psychologist. However, it's still a difference in the requirements to become a psychologist. Uh, some states have more, some states have less. Some states require an accredited degree, some do not. Uh, some will accept people who worked in the military sector as a transfer in to become a licensed psychologist. Other states require retraining specialization. So there are some things there that you might want to know before you go to work with a psychologist. There's also a misconception that once you work with a psychologist, you need to stick with that psychologist. Psychologists are human beings. You're going to like some of them. You're not going to like others. You're going to be more comfortable around some than you are around others. So find one that fits. If, if you go through a session or two and you just don't feel comfortable with that psychologist, it's okay. You can just simply switch psychologists and you don't owe them an explanation. If you feel you want to, you can simply say just you don't feel that you can open up to them for whatever reason. You don't even have to tell them that, though. You can simply say it's not working, and I need to see about working with someone else. And that's important to realize that, you know, the, the psychologist's job is to be there to help you. That's their job. That's the object. And if it's not working for you, then you shouldn't be wasting your time there. Now, I would also point out that some of us might feel that way the moment a psychologist says something we don't like. And so now, oh, well, I need to find another psychologist. Well, if they're a psychologist that has your best interest at heart and they tell you something you don't like, that's probably what you need to listen to the most. That feedback that we don't like, that we get our ego hurt by, is probably the, the feedback we need the most. And we need to put our egos down and listen and evaluate. And, and maybe they're wrong. But if we get defensive, that typically means that we've been hit a little too close to home, a little something we don't want to deal with, right? That's where you can really start to get some work done, if you can be honest with yourself. And I'll say that for me, when I consider the harsh feedback I get from time to time, when I get the, the worst feedback, the feedback I don't want, and it, this doesn't matter professionally, uh, in therapy it won't matter, the feedback I get that, is har I, that feels harshest is, a, is the feedback I consider 
most deeply, not because I necessarily agree with it, but I want to make sure if it really bothers me that it's not true. And if it is true, then I need to correct it. I don't need to get defensive. That's just me. All right. Well, that's all I've got for today. Uh, Take care of each other. Take care of yourself. And rock on.